Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is Cruise Radio. If this whole thing we're going through right now has taught us anything, it is to always have travel insurance. Get a quote today at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. How's it going? Welcome to this week's episode of Cruise Radio, a review of Carnival Glory this week. And staff writer Richard Sims is here with Cruise News. Jumping right to Richard. Hey, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me. Carnival Cruise Line has started restaffing their ships. This is sort of an opposite day kind of story. We spent months and months and months talking about how Carnival, as well as all the other cruise lines, you know, they had to basically repatriate their crew. They had to do kind of go to extreme measures in order to get the crew back safely while the shutdown was going on. Well, now we're doing it in reverse. We're starting to see the crew being brought back. Um, there was a staffing agency in Indonesia, which is a big market for the cruise lines, that uh, kind of reported that some of their people had been called back and they're heading towards St. Martin and there they will be. Uh, rejoining some of the ships. Once they join the ships, they will be quarantined for 14 days and, you know, they won't be able to start their duties or anything until they get through that quarantine period. But this is a good sign. This is another of those signs that slowly but surely we're starting to see signs that, you know, maybe by the end of the year, at least Carnival will have some ships sailing. And Florida's governor said he is on board with bringing cruise ships and cruise jobs back. Not exactly a shocker that the, you know, that that Governor DeSantis is anxious to get cruise lines back because they are losing millions and millions and millions of dollars. It's terrible on the economy. What will be interesting is, um, you know, as we head into this next few days, there's going to be a lot of campaigning by both sides in the presidential election in Florida because Florida is an important state. It'll be interesting to see, does this become an actual issue? Does the cruise industry get shout outs from the presidential candidates as to whether or not, you know, where the candidates stand on this issue? Because it does, in fact, you know, more than any other state, I think Florida is impacted by this because of the fact that they have several ports and they do so many cruises out of, you know, Miami and Port Everglades and Port Miami and Port Canaveral. There's just a lot of people who rely on this industry down there. So, you know, it's not surprising. DeSantis, the funny thing was that when DeSantis was talking, he said, you know, we're not saying that everybody's going to have to take uh, a test before they can get on the ship, which is, of course, what the cruise lines have already agreed to, that everyone will, in fact, take a test, um, whether it's crew or passengers, before they are allowed on board. So, you know, it's just another, again, it's another person throwing their hat in the ring and saying it's important that the industry come back as soon as possible. It is crazy when you think of how many jobs, like I was reading that Federal Maritime Commission report, and 30,000 jobs alone from Port Miami. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I mean, I, it'd be interesting to see what the breakdown on that is. I mean, obviously, there aren't 30,000 people who, who work at Port Miami, but 
it, it probably also includes, you know, all of the suppliers who operate mm-hmm. in and out of there, things like that. It's it's huge. And that's just one port. Like I said, Florida is, you know, the, one of the big hubs of cruising around the world and probably the biggest in the United States because, you know, New York has a lot of cruise ships going out of it, but not anything as much as you see going out of Florida. And Virgin Voyages axed another round of sailings. If Richard Branson wasn't like the richest dude in the world, I'd actually feel sorry for him. I mean, what a horrible time to try and launch a cruise line. But uh, they were hoping that they were going to sail in December. They have now said, no, you know what? The earliest we're going to sail is January 3rd. They even had to move Richard Branson's birthday party. I mean, you're the richest guy in the world. (laughs) You can't have a party when you want to have it on your own private ship. That kind of blows. But this isn't, again, a huge surprise. Uh, they're, the, probably the one really good thing here is that because Richard Branson does have as much money as he has, it, it's not like he has to worry in the least about you know financing in the future. It's not like some of these lines where we see them selling off ships or you know taking out desperation loans at incredibly high rates of interest. Richard Branson is basically cleaning out his pockets and being like, oh, here, here's another month's worth of, you know, delays. We're covered. We're good. And an Alaska state representative wants to change legislation to help Alaska with the cruise industry. This is really important. This is very similar to what we were just talking about with the Florida cruise ports. Because Alaska has a really limited season, they go from like April to September. That is when they make a lot of their money. It's, it's you know, this is a big time for the tourism industry, especially when it comes to cruising. They lost the entire season last year. Even if cruises started and we began getting cruises in like, you know, December, January, that doesn't really help Alaska because that's not in their window of their season. So what they're looking to do is change the law that requires a ship leaving a U.S. port to touch at a foreign port as part of its trip to Alaska. So right now, like let's say you sail out of Seattle. If you're going from Seattle up into Alaska, you have to stop in Canada in order to fulfill the requirement of this law. What they're hoping to do is say, you know what, let's get a waiver for that so that we don't have to do that. Because right now, Canada is still shutting its borders. We don't know when they're going to allow cruise ships to visit again. So that could impact the next cruise season. Now, there's always the option that you know, God willing, by the time the next cruise season rolls around in April, we've got things under control. Canada's open. Everything's going fine. But this is sort of a preventative measure so that if that doesn't happen, if we're looking at another season where Canada says, no, we're not going to be welcoming cruise ships. This is a way for ships to get up to Alaska out of ports like Seattle and for them to start, you know, making money and pouring money into the Alaskan tourism economy again. In the same, you know, folded in the same legislation is the Passenger Vessel Services Act. And, uh, you know, with the cruises to nowhere, which could help, you know, not only the West Coast, but the East Coast, too, for helping, I guess, establish that cruise bubble everyone's talking about. Exactly. Uh, One of the things that has been talked about a lot as we start moving toward, you know, the return to service and looking at what cruising will look like is shorter cruises. Um, one of the ways to do that is to allow them to go ahead and do cruise to nowheres again. You know, um, there, there used to be up until 2016, there were cruises that went overnight. You know, you just went out into open waters, all the bars and casinos opened and you had a great time and then you were back in the morning. But even a three day cruise, you know, from, from 
from New York, you can't really do a three-day cruise unless you're doing a cruise to nowhere. Florida, you can. It's a little bit. It's a. It's a little bit tougher, and you have to put on a little speed. But you could, you know, get to Nassau or someplace like that, and then come back. So it would be very helpful if they could get waivers for this, whether it's temporary or really whether they just did away with the law entirely. I guess there's an argument on both sides there. Um, Easily, but I think with the cruise industry, it definitely could help on that angle. I don't know about maritime shipping or anything. Uh, Uh, Let's see. uh, Another cruise line in Europe sent a cruiser packing. This is something we've talked about before, and it's one of the things I think is going to be the biggest challenge when cruising returns in the States. So um, this was on the AIDA Blue, which is uh, the German division of Carnival Cruise Lines, is AIDA. The AIDA Blue was on one of its trips, and they have in place the new protocols. And one of those new protocols involves the fact that the only way you are allowed to get off the ship when you are visiting a port is if you do so as part of a ship-sanctioned shore excursion. So you are basically, you know, you are under their control at all times. This is part of their attempt to create a safe bubble. It's a really important step in the return to cruising. And a passenger decided that they were going to break that bubble and go off on their own. And as we've seen happen a couple of other times, when they got back to the ship, they were told, no, you're not going to be allowed back on. I will say, that Aida was, they proved to be better people than I am, because if it was me, I'd be like, you're stuck here, get yourself home. But Aida actually, you know, arranged, helped arrange for the the passenger who was in, in, for the passenger who was affected to get back home. Way better than me. I would not have. I would have said, you broke the rule, <laughs> you knew the rule going in. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's something that we'll really have to see when cruising starts in the States, we know this is going to happen. We know there are jerks who are going to think, oh, I can get around this rule. Will the cruise lines say, okay, well, not only are you not getting back on, but you have to find your own way home, or will they actually help these people find a way home? Is Elton John's IATA still on Broadway, or was it before the shutdown? No, I don't think no. it's been. God, that's what, 20 years ago, right? Quite a while, yeah. yeah. I think I think it's been a while since you've tripped the light fantastic listener question comes from philip i think my cruise is going to be canceled but i booked with carnival through a personal vacation planner my question is will i lose my 600 dollars shipboard credit if i rebook my cruise with a travel agent instead of going through carnival well first of all i'm really sorry that your cruise is probably going to be canceled i feel your pain my friend i've had three canceled the good news is that generally speaking yes it will follow you no matter who you book it through um there are obviously benefits to booking through a travel agent. There are also benefits to booking through a, a you know representative of the cruise line. There are pros and cons to both. But one thing that tends to hold true is that if you were given onboard credit, it follows you when you make this new booking. The one thing to keep an eye on is these onboard credits typically have an expiration date or a sale-by date, one or the other. And so you want to make sure that you, you know exactly what the parameters are so that when you go to book, you're booking something that will be within those parameters so that you don't lose the money. And by the way, uh, IATA was on Broadway from 2000 to 2004 with 1,852 performances. So really, in the grand span of things, not very long. Mm-mm. I mean, when you think about yeah. how long shows like Cats, for some godforsaken yeah. reason, ran, IATA was kind of a blip. Was Lion King still performing before the shutdown? Uh, I believe it was. I think the Lion King will live forever. Mm-hmm. 
except at Animal Kingdom, where they just laid off the cast of Lion King. Yeah, that's so. that's a topic for another show, my friend. All right, I've been talking with staff writer Richard Sims. Thank you, buddy. If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News skill so you can get daily updates anytime straight from Cruise Radio. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker from my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at cruiseradio.net. Last year, Amanda and her husband took a seven-night cruise to the Bahamas in Key West on board Carnival Glory out of New Orleans. Amanda joins us on the line. Hey, Amanda. Hey, Doug. How's it going? Good. Thanks for offering to give this review of Carnival Glory, a ship I haven't heard from in quite a while. So this was a seven-night cruise to Key West and Bahamas. Before we get to the ship itself, uh, let's take a step back here. Give me some pre-cruise thoughts. What made you want to take this seven-nighter on Glory out of New Orleans? Well, at the time, we were living in the Florida Panhandle. So New Orleans was the closest port um, to us. That was often in a seven-night cruise. We had gone out of Mobile on the Fantasy before, but they were only offering four and five nights. Um, so we wanted to go to New Orleans. We love the city. Um, my husband loves any place where you can open carry alcohol in the streets. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and also my brother lives there, so it was a good excuse to see him. So we definitely wanted to book this one. Um And this particular itinerary, we wanted to hit up Key West, and Mm -hmm. we finally were able to get one that worked in our time frame where we could go there. Awesome. Did you do any pre-cruise time in New Orleans? Yeah, we drove down the day before, Mm -hmm. um, visited with my brother. Um, Anytime you have a chance to go to New Orleans, you just have to block out enough time to go (laughs) eat everywhere. (laughs) So you make your way to the (laughs) Julia Street Cruise Terminal to embark Carnival Glory. How was the embarkation process? Uh, it was fantastic. We are the people that like to be on the ship as fast as possible and the last one's off. Um, so we didn't get faster to the fun, but we had an 11 a.m. check-in time. But actually, after breakfast, we went by the terminal, dropped off our bags during the faster to the fun people's check-in. Um, it's just walked right over to the mall right there by the terminal, mm-hmm. um, grabbed a drink, grabbed some beignets, and we were actually able to check in at about 1045. Um, nice. we, they just let us walk right in. Um, it was probably by the time we started up there, about 15 minutes till we were on the ship. So you make your way on board Carnival Glory. What were your first impressions of the ship? Um, we love Carnival ships, the the classic ones. Um, so we always love walking in, up the, in, entering in the atrium, you know, the traditional bright colors, glass elevators, the bar right there. There's just that sense of excitement. Everyone right there getting their vacation started, especially when you go out of New Orleans, everyone's really excited and ready to have a good time. I love it. You make your way to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you book and what did you think of it? We typically 
are only in the room to sleep and to shower. So we, we just go with interior rooms typically. Um, I'm also scared to death of falling off of a balcony. So I definitely didn't want a balcony room. Um, so we booked an interior stateroom and it was the type, you know, some, um, decks have a very center hallway with a row of rooms. We had one of those. I loved it. The setup was just a much more efficient use of space. Um, instead of a split desk, it had the, a full desk along the whole wall. You know, it just seemed like much more open, usable floor space, and we didn't feel cramped or anything at all in there. So I loved it. The only downside was we were on deck six directly above the casino. Um, so there were some times where there was some noise, um, and then the smoke kind of rose. You could smell the smoke in the hallway and a little bit in the room, but we didn't mind. Otherwise, though, deck six isn't really a bad location, right? Because your deck five was deck five the promenade on that ship, and then like the dining's yes. a couple floors up. Yeah, exactly. So it was very easy to get back and forth pretty much anywhere in the ship. And where our room was located, we were center, and so it was there was a stairwell one floor up right beside the casino and the coffee bar towards the back of the ship where the piano bar and the comedy club was. So we loved it. Nice. So let's talk about dining on this seven night cruise. We'll start in the main dining room. What time dining did you have and how was your experience in there? We had the late seating. Um, we've learned that during any time dining, we always ended up going around the same time of day and we would always like to sit with the same staff that had gotten to know us over a few days. So we just went ahead and did the late seating and it was fantastic. We had a great staff that really, they knew us well and treated us great. It was probably the best dining room service I've had in a while. How about the buffet area? How was that for you? Great. I would say across the board, you'll hear this over and over again for me, is the staff um, on the ship when we were there, which course with the shutdown will be all different now but they were all great pretty much everywhere every department um they're always checking on you in the buffet saying do you need anything taking your plates and um refreshing the food it was fantastic did you get to check out guy's burger joint or blue iguana cantina of course <laughs> you know you always have to get a couple burgers mm -hmm. get a burrito um this ship has carnival barbecue in the lido and so that was our first stop day one um, and there's also the deli, which is great for later at night. And um, the sushi was included in the Lido here. My notes show that you did the chef's table. So how was your experience? Yes. Oh, it was amazing. Uh, it was, I can't even remember, so many courses, um, unusual stuff, things different. If you're a foodie, it is a must do. Um, my husband, he's like, he was so full afterwards, but he couldn't imagine not doing this every time we cruise. So <laughs> nice. I don't know if, if the budget will withstand that. Right. Um, but you get to tour the kitchen. They show you how to make the uh, molten chocolate cake. They, you know, wines included with it. The chef's there to explain things and answer any questions you have about, you know, being a chef on a cruise ship. So it was awesome. How does it work on what night you get to go to the chef's table? I think they do it almost every night, but we didn't get to pick. Okay. Um, before the cruise, we entered our information online saying we'd like to do it. We had no clue that we actually were picked as one of the limited amount of people that got to do it mm -hmm. until there was a note delivered to your room saying, you get to do the chef's table on this night. Um, okay. So, And when you sign up, you can say if it's a special occasion, if there's a mm -hmm. birthday or something, and there's a night you would like to do it. How long was the chef's table experience from start to finish? It was a couple hours. It was longer than the traditional dining room experience. Mm -hmm. What did you think of the entertainment on this seven-night cruise? 
it was great. It's the traditional carnival shows. If you've, you know, been on one, we go every year. So some of the shows kind of carry over, um, but they're always entertaining. The lip sync battle um, is always a highlight because that's building throughout the week and you get to see, you know, the people competing and limited down to the final two. Um, there was Hasbro, the game show. My husband got to go up and play some basketball shooting game and win a little Jenga set. And then the shows, there was the, the rock show, a Latin show, which this group had really good, you know, strong vocalists. So it was good. And uh, there was a show I hadn't seen before that was like a beach theme, like a 50s beach theme. It was a little cheesy, but not bad. So the theater aside, how about outside, like the music venues and comedy? Um, The piano bar, this was a very ruckus crowd out of new orleans mm-hmm. and the piano bar was where you could uh gather all together and the performer i can't remember his name but he really played up on it and it was a good time and there were a couple comedians um those are always a hit the later shows were standing room only um they were good and then there was a band that played in the atrium in the evenings that had you know horns and saxophone they were really great with this ship being based out of New Orleans, does it have any kind of like New Orleans flair, a Mardi Gras, uh, Mardi Gras parade at night or anything like that? You would think that they would want to do something like that. But no, it's it's really no different than any other carnival cruise um, right. when it comes to entertainment. Nothing specifically New Orleans. How are sea days as far as crowds and congestion? I don't think it was too bad. I've been on some ships that seemed much more crowded. If you wanted a beach chair or a lounger or a place in serenity you could definitely find one um i mean there would be other people around but it wasn't too bad um really the most crowds and congestion you felt was when it was time to be seated for dinner and everybody was waiting for the doors to open and the comedy shows otherwise um we never felt crowded or overwhelmed okay very good as far as the ports of call this was a key west and bahamas cruise so give us the highlights Our first stop was Key West, and it was our first time there. So we did the hop-on, hop-off trolley. Um, I've done that in multiple cities, and that way you kind of get a feel for it, and then you can kind of manage your own time. So we did a loop around once so we could see where all it was and figure out where we wanted to go. And then we stopped, and it included a tour of a distillery. We had to get key lime pie, of course pie and you know did some shopping and saw all the major sites so that was great and of course it's another city where you can open carry in the streets so my husband was happy there and um we were scheduled to go to freeport next Mm -hmm. but it was right after the hurricane had come through last year so um instead we actually did it overnight in nassau the next day after when we were supposed to go into Freeport, uh, we docked in Nassau around two o'clock. So it was like a mini sea day. And then we could just kind of go off at our leisure, come and go off the ship. Um, in Nassau, we did some shopping. Um, really, we like to be on the cruise ship, not necessarily the destinations. Mm-hmm. So we didn't spend much time there. Did you have anything planned in Freeport before it was canceled? We had actually planned to spend Freeport as a spa day. Okay. Did you get through the spa day anyway? Uh, We did. We did go get massages. What are your thoughts on the cruise ship spa services? So I've only really have gotten a pedicure after a run once or twice on cruise ships. Otherwise, I'm ticklish. I don't get hot stone or deep tissue or anything like that, um, nor have I done it on land before. So as far as is it comparable to a land side experience, if that makes sense? Um, Our experience was the quality was was good. We did one of the detox wraps. Mm -hmm. So like they rub you in a bunch of mud and stuff and wrap you up like a baked potato for a little bit. And then 
you shower off and massage after. Um, and so, I mean, the quality was good. Um, I mean, it's a little bit more overpriced, but you're on a cruise ship. Everything else is. Um, it's just they were super pushy about selling you the detox stuff. Like, they wouldn't let us out of the room until we, like, wanted to commit to buy yeah. it. We have to, like, run out of there, essentially. So that kind of took away the de-stress part of it afterwards but um but the quality of service wasn't bad before they tried to push the uh the product on me yeah when i was on carnival sunrise and i got that pedicure after my run she was trying to sell me like this buffing stuff or whatever i'm like look i'm a runner i don't look at my feet just to clip my toenails none of this stuff has any use for me but i really appreciate your time and thank you for offering Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So you have two sea days and you make your way back to New Orleans. But actually, let's talk about this because the Mississippi River, what a cool experience going up and down it. Oh, yeah. It's so, I mean, on, I didn't mention it on embarkation day, but yeah, you're pretty much going down the Mississippi the rest of the day. So one good thing is if you don't, you can still have cell phone service for most of it. So we sat and watched football as we set on the deck by the pool and cruise down the river. And then the same on the way back, I definitely recommend staying up late and watching it come back into port, which is really nice. But the downside is you're charged sales tax all day yeah, <laughs> um, on the first day and mm. then come about 11 o'clock uh, coming back in the next day. So how was disembarkation once back in New Orleans? Um, it was smooth sailing. We like to be like one of the last people off. So we had, you know, a leisurely morning. We woke up, went, had breakfast and just kind of hung out in the sports bar until they called our numbers to deport. It's a little bit slower than getting back on because, you know, customs and everything. But we kept moving. Once they called our number and we started walking out, we didn't really stop until we got to the Uber line. About 30 minutes. 30 minutes. Not bad at all. Any first time tips to offer anyone sailing either from New Orleans or Carnival Glory? I mean, go. Well, we've gone out of New Orleans multiple times and that's always a fun crowd. Different cruise ports and different types of cruises have different crowds. The New Orleans bunch is ready to have a good time. So if that's not for you, don't pick that destination, but we loved it. We loved that we could drop our bags early and just walk over to the mall. So that way we could, you know, come and go. We didn't really have to rush to get from the Uber into the ship. So we didn't have to stand in line and wait. Overall, Carnival Glory is a fantastic ship. It's not too big from my taste. It's bigger than the fantasy class, which I think is just a little small for me, but it's not the overwhelming Vista class. Mm -hmm. You can really get around. You can see everything. You can do everything, but not too crowded. I love it. I love going in and out of New Orleans. We had the same ship booked for it to leave on November 1st this year, but unfortunately it was canceled. But we plan to go again. Yeah, I got to say, probably two of my favorite ports to sail from, just for the, the people on board and the party atmosphere, both New Orleans and Galveston, Texas. Both both mm-hmm. ports ready to throw down the whole cruise. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's If you want late nights and mm-hmm. a good time, but very quiet mornings, yeah, New Orleans is fantastic. My last New Orleans cruise, a guy partied a little bit too hard, and I, I was running the deck in the morning, and he was just passed out stone cold in his nice formal wear still yeah just spread out on a on a bench up on the Lido deck i'm like wow this guy had a good time he even still had like three three glasses of either vodka or whatever next to him like this dude's gonna feel like crap here in a couple of hours but uh i i just let him go but so uh looking back here what was the biggest highlight of your cruise really it was the staff this time was fantastic we've had 
great experiences if we've had okay experiences. This one's going to go on the great experience um, when it came to like our dining room staff and almost everyone that we encountered. The fun squad, we are people that are at every trivia. Like we won like seven ships on a stick and I was just giving them (laughs) away all the time. But the fun squad was great. Dustin was our cruise director and um, some of the staff, Omar and Houston, were really great to us. And um, we also, I didn't mention it, we did the Find the Fun Tour, which was a really great highlight. If you're interested in cruise ships and just kind of how they run and always wonder those little questions, it's something really great to do just at least one time. You get mm-hmm. to go behind the scenes, behind the stage. You get to go to the very front of the ship where the anchor sits and um, underneath in the, the crew areas. You talk to the engineer and then up to the the deck and meet the captain and see everything or the bridge. So it's a really neat experience to do at least one time. How much does that cost? Uh, I mean, it's comparable to an excursion. I want to say maybe around, can't remember the number, like around seventy nine ninety nine a person. Okay. Are you allowed to bring like your phone or any cameras back there? No, you can't even turn it off and have it in your pocket. You have to leave it in your room. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I was on a bridge tour. I cannot remember the ship, so I won't say it, but we were wanted before going onto the bridge to make sure we didn't have any cell phones or cameras on us. And if they did catch it, they weren't going to say, oops, bring it back to your cabin. You just weren't going into the bridge of the ship. Mm-hmm. Wow. They okay. would, we all met in the library, and when they opened the door to let you in, they check your name and say, do you have your phone on you? Mm-hmm. And I remember one guy was like, yeah, I have it because my mom's with my kid. And, I, and they're like, no, you need to go put it back in your room or you're not coming. Yeah. Looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise for you? I would say it was probably the behind the fun tour, mm-hmm. just because it's you, you always have questions about cruise ships if you're into them like we are. And this, you really got to see everything. They talked about where the morgue was. You talked to the engineer and the chef and the captain. So it was really neat. What is the one thing you really love about cruising? I just love this. No stress. Mm-hmm. I'm the person that does not get the internet package. I yeah. turn off my phone, I put it away and I don't have it for a week. And it's fantastic. As we speak, cruise ships in North America are still docked. But what are your thoughts of cruising again once it reopens? I'm going to book one for the first chance I get. I'll be there. I mean, I will take all the precautions. I will follow all the rules. But I think feel like it's going to be cleaner and safer than ever. Um, it's going to be lower capacities to start with. So you're going to have a lot more room, a lot more attentive staff. Um, they're going to be even cleaner than they were before, which there was always people you would see scrubbing day on the railings and cleaning up. So I can't wait. Obviously, if you have underlying conditions and things like that, you need to take precautions there and maybe not go. But if you're generally healthy, I mean, why not? I'm ready to go. Yeah, all aboard. I'm right there with you. Well, Mm -hmm. in closing here, give me your final thoughts of Carnival Glory. It's fantastic ship. Um, If you like kind of that mid-range ship and you're ready to just go have a good time, it's a good ship for you. All right. I've been talking with Amanda about her seven-night cruise on Carnival Glory to Key West and the Bahamas. Thanks, Amanda. No, thank you, Doug, for doing what you do. I love hearing about the different ships and taking all these tips when it comes to my cruising. That's very sweet. Thank you. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got here, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.